0: Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Lowe. Don Aliquo is an accomplished musician to the second power because there are two musicians named Don Aliquo, senior and junior. The younger Don is a professor of saxophone and jazz studies at MTSU who has performed with numerous important artists in venues around the world. The elder Don is a jazz musician and educator in the Pittsburgh area. He has performed with such artists as Tony Bennett, Lena Horne, Mel Torme, Johnny Mathis, and Woody Herman. We'll hear from both Dons on MTSU On The Record after this.
1: Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. Public servants and others can get a financial boost when enrolling in one of MTSU's newest programs this fall. Announced in the spring, the new Public Safety Concentration in the Integrated Studies major is designed for those in law enforcement, homeland security, emergency management, fire safety, dispatch, and other public service professions at the local, state, and federal levels. Classes for the concentration will begin this fall and the first 50 students to enroll will receive a $500 scholarship. And with funding from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, MTSU's Center for Health and Human Services is embarking on an informational tour of the southeast to take the farm into the classroom. In partnership with the School of Agriculture's Fermentation Science Program, CHHS is taking its STEM-sational AG, the Virtual Farm Project, to conferences in Georgia and Florida and locations throughout Tennessee. The virtual farm provides both formal and non-formal educational content for K-14 students that's appropriate for traditional school settings, both in-person and via distance learning, as well as homeschooled children. The content relates to agriculture and STEM, or science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com.
0: Don and Don, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it.
2: It's our pleasure.
0: Professor Don, how often do you get to visit your father like that?
2: Well, I try to get up as much as I can, but, uh, you know, three or four times a year at the least, I suppose.
0: Do you think it was sort of inevitable that you'd lean toward a musical career with your father practicing in the house as you grew up? Uh, well,
2: I don't know if it was inevitable, being that I'm one of four and I'm the only one that went that direction, but uh, it certainly was an influence. There's no doubt about that.
3: Well, being an educator myself, uh, I made all my kids study music, never forcing anyone to make a career out of it. But Don is the one that did make a career out of it and uh, never pushed him, but he did it on his own, on his own desire, which was okay with me. If he wanted to become a doctor, that would have been good too. But uh, I was happy that it was music.
0: You just figured uh, that music would enhance their lives no matter what they ended up doing.
3: Oh, right. I mean, he started uh, the, the jazz part of it in high school. He became part of the high school jazz band. They were playing contemporary music. I mean, after he did his homework, we had a, A device where he put the the earphones on and from the outside of the room you couldn't hear a thing but he was listening to to music and transcribing all the time and that's pretty much how he put things together which was a wonderful for me to see I taught him and now he teaches me (laughs) <laughs> Not
0: nice. so what's it like growing up in the same house with a one-man music appreciation class professor Don
2: uh, well it gave me a tremendous advantage there's no doubt about that and I had somewhat of an inside track considering how much he he was involved in, and he was very committed too, to to playing music throughout his teaching career so I mean you know he's talking about me but like I remember him like working all day teaching and then he'd go out and play a gig that night or play a show or something yeah, you know yeah. he was very always busy uh playing is that uh, taught me a lot about his the commitment necessary to be uh, successful as a musician which is very true so
3: now my my work has uh it waned considerably because of many things, my age, uh, the pandemic, etc., cetera. But my attitude is exactly the same. Uh, I, I feel no different now than when I was 19. And I have that same drive and that same desire. And that's interesting to me. And, and I think it's uh, something that's uh, remarkable.
0: You're 92, is that right?
3: I'm 92. I'll be You're 93 92. in August
0: that there was a British trumpeter, jazz trumpeter named Humphrey Littleton, who was still playing concerts well up into his later years. But I had always heard that musicians lose their lip as they get older. How do you keep your lip? Well, it's it's
3: not, not as crucial on a woodwind instrument, although it has its idiosyncrasies too. Once you get a head start, <laughs> you get a an 80, 80 years head start, <laughs>
0: the,
3: the lip becomes accustomed to, uh, to any trauma. <laughs> so, so we have no problem with that. It's it's finding that uh, holy grail. That holy grail is the reed that you put on the mouthpiece, and they're not always very readily available to be good. If you buy a whole box of twenty, you might you might get. Uh, Four or five that that will play, and the rest of them, you either have to work with, you have to sand them, or you have to cut them, or you have to to uh, alter them in some ways so you can use it. So the holy grail is that reed on the on the mouthpiece. It's not necessarily your what we call the embouchure, the way you the way you put your lips on the on the mouthpiece.
0: We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. Women in Science and Engineering, or WISE, helps college women prepare for and become involved in science-related careers. WISE nurtures women's interest in these fascinating and critical fields and provides mentoring and networking opportunities. The group's main goal is to assure women of their importance in all scientific and technical fields and to promote equal opportunity and treatment of women in science. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, WISE advisor.
1: For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Tennessee's farm families
2: contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There is no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: Our guests are Professor Don Aliquo and his father, Don Aliquo Sr., both musicians. Uh, Don Aliquo Jr. is a professor of saxophone and jazz studies at MPSU, and Don Sr. is a jazz musician and educator in the Pittsburgh area. Do either or both of you remember the first time you played in public together in a concert format?
3: Well, one of the, one of the first, uh, I think, it was uh, where we played together was... Uh, at a uh, outdoor patio of Carnegie Mellon University, and uh, we had a rhythm section there, and uh, it was a, during the summer months, it was outdoor concert and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that probably was one of the well that, that was one of the first, but I think the very first was uh, uh, what was the name of the place in uh, in Shady Side anyway? You remember the. Uh, the Max Lee played and and uh, I forget the name of the place, but uh, the Encore. It, no, it was up, It was on. Lose, hmm? lose. But anyway, mm. it was a it was a little club. Oh, Rourke's. No, no, no. <laughs> I'll, 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 okay. I want to say Win Place and Show or something like that. No, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Win Place and Show, and uh, we got on the bandstand, and uh, I thought I was doing pretty well. And uh, we were playing at a well-known tried and true uh, jam session tune called Cherokee, which has been been a kind of a, uh, an earmark of, uh, of different players, whether they could play that tune well or whether they can't play it well. Well, I thought I was doing real well with it. And I'm saying to myself in my mind, I think I got him now. And after that, he picked up the alto. I was playing tenor at the time, and he picked up the alto and he started playing charity. And by the time it was over, I was crawling in my hole at the time because he played so well. He <laughs>
2: exaggerates. Don't worry about that. No, I'm that. not
3: exaggerating. <laughs> That's pretty much the way it was. <laughs>
0: you saying you were jealous of your son?
2: I am jealous and proud both. <laughs> and, and right back at him, too. Yeah. That, uh, that story he told could, could go the other way.
0: A, a Cherokee, is that a big Bandera number?
3: It started that way, yeah. Yeah, it started at Ray Noble. Ray, Ray Noble is the man that wrote the piece. Okay. And it, uh, it somehow or other was not meant to be a jazz piece. It was meant to be a show piece. all the jazz musicians uh, took it upon themselves to learn it for some reason or other it became a a big jam tune that that people played either on on a a jam session or a particular job of some sort was kind of a near mark to uh say well If you could play that tune, you could play anything. (laughs) It was,
2: it was sort of a litmus test for the bebop era. There you go. Because it goes through seven key centers out of the 12 key centers that are make up our music. It goes through seven of those key centers in one chorus or one time. So you really have to know harmony and it's typically played really fast. So it's like a display of whether or not, you know, your business or not. So it's, historically it's always been used for that uh kind of a litmus test if you will but it did start in the bebop era it was kind of a cheesy dance band song you know one of those things you jitterbug to yeah i guess i don't, well i don't know if it was that kind of style or not that's that predates me a little off Okay.
0: <laughs> Don Senior, why did you gravitate toward jazz instead of any other genre of music?
3: I must've been 13 and uh, I had a, a little alto sax and uh, my dad bought that for me. It, it was a $90 saxophone. And in those days it was not called improvisation. It was called writing. I knew nothing about improvisation whatsoever, but I knew how to ride, which meant you pick up the horn and just start playing. That's it. And, and anything that comes out is riding. Little by little though, I discovered through a, a, f- a few mentors that form was necessary and meter was necessary. And uh, first thing you know, uh, I'm playing tunes. Actually, one of the one of my mentors uh, took me under his wing and and uh, we listened to Coleman Hawkins play talk of the town from about 11 1130 to around two and all we did was listen to one piece we would take turns changing the needle because in those days there were there was no automatic needle setting so he'd get up I would turn the the needle on and then it was my turn and we listened to it and there he taught me the the 32 bar form that i needed to know when i applied it to all my other all my other songs i was then i was about 15 or 16 at the time and he was 7 years older than me but he took an interest in me because he had heard me ride he heard me ride, and uh, uh, it was at, at a place called the Roseland Ballroom in in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And uh, there were two uh, choruses of blues on a piece, and all I knew was to ride. From that, he took an interest. Whenever I started playing, at the end of the job, he came over and we we spoke. I had known his brother. His brother was in in the band too, so. That's how I got got meeting him he had just come out of the army with a purple heart and two bronze stars so uh, he took me home and uh, he pretty much formed my my history so to speak now prior to that though you know I'm a little I'm a, a little head of my story there was another fellow be, prior to him that knew nothing just like I did nothing knew nothing but we had taken lessons from uh Bill Flynn, um, um, he formed a, a, a kid band. All we did was like like played uh, some of the music that Mr. Flynn gave us. They were pop tunes of the day. And then we'd ride, we'd ride, uh, he'd, he'd sit behind the drums and and keep time and we'd just play. And with no, uh, no formality whatsoever. So that was before... My, my big mentor that straightened me out. So maybe I'm not ahead of, I, I, I hope I explained that the proper way.
0: I mentioned that you played uh, at one time with uh, Woody Herman. One of my favorite albums is one in which uh, Woody Herman and his big uh, Young Thundering Herd are playing on one side with Chick Korea, and on the other side, they're playing Steely Dan tunes. Oh, boy. and uh, I'll address this to Professor Don first. Do you think that the the rigidity between, you know, if it, it's got to be jazz or it's got to be country or it's got to be blues or it's got to be classical, it's got to be this, it's got to be that. Do you think the rigidity among defining music according to genre is is breaking down?
2: Well, certainly there are people playing all these different varieties of all the styles you just mentioned. And you know, musicians through the years have uh, complained about the, the labels that are put on music to begin with, including jazz. A lot of a lot of musicians, like Duke Ellington, uh, never preferred that term even. So, they, I'm not sure that I can answer your question definitively. But uh, there's people playing more different styles within jazz, for instance, than there has ever been because there's over a hundred year history in the music now. So there's a lot of different ways that people can play the music. And I I think that part of it is good. Well, I mean, I could go back to like comments like Duke Ellington would have said, there's only two kinds of music, good and bad. (laughs) I'll leave it at that.
3: Well, the latitude of jazz is so... Endless. Yeah, it's I mean, broad, it's, very broad. It's just broad and deep and uh, all the, the uh, uh, ways to play and much of it passes for jazz. Some of it isn't, but it, it does pass for jazz. So the latitude is endless.
0: To, to both of you, would you rather play an instrumental with your other musicians or would you rather play with other musicians in support of a vocalist?
3: i prefer to play with other musicians, although I do welcome good vocalists. That uh, you know, uh, but more or less, I'd i prefer playing instrumental.
2: Yeah, me too. More or less, yeah. Though we do work with vocalists at times. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the music itself, it, the, the way we like to play and improvise, it's probably more suitable for instrumental. the The
3: uh, the vocalist usually. Uh, they provide a little spot for you after they sing. And then you could play jazz around the tune that they sang so that, you know, we're, we're always playing jazz so that the vocalists understand that. And uh, they, they generally go along with that program.
0: So there's no diva-like behavior, like you're, you're playing too loud behind me or whatever like that. <laughs> Outcoming from the vocalist, I mean.
3: <laughs> well, so, sometimes it, it can get a little raucous, depending on who who is singing, who's performing. But for the most part, most of them are pretty understanding. And I think they, they go into it with that understanding.
0: Time for another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record.
3: MTSU's Jewish and Holocaust Studies minor offers undergraduate students a chance to study the culture and religion of the Jewish people and the Holocaust in an interdisciplinary
0: program. Studies include history and culture, theology and philosophy, and the arts and social sciences. Courses tackle vital topics central to local and global awareness, including multiculturalism and the meanings of diversity, religious tolerance, and
3: genocide. For the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
1: The mission of the June Anderson Center for Women and Nontraditional Students is to provide
2: education, advocacy, direct services, outreach, and programming for the MTSU campus and surrounding community on gender-related issues. The center also assists older students who are trying to balance work, college, and family. It also sponsors a monthly legal clinic, career brownback series, book club, and a newsletter twice a year. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com.
0: We're talking with Professor Don Aliquo from the School of Music at MTSU, Professor of Saxophone and Jazz Studies, and his father, Don Aliquo Senior, who is a jazz musician and educator in the Pittsburgh area, who's performed with numerous artists over the years. Can you, is there one particular artist with whom you played, and it need not necessarily be a famous one, Don Senior, that, that was a particularly uh, uniquely wonderful experience for you?
3: Yes, Michelle LeGrand.
0: The composer of the windmills Michelle of your LeGrand, mind?
3: Well, uh, he came to town. He did just about everything he could do in music. He sang, played the piano, he conducted. And his music was very difficult. And uh, I had various solos along with his voice. And uh, in those days you you rehearsed the show and then you went out and had something to eat. And then you came back and played the show. Well, not this time. I did not go out and eat. I stayed there in the theater, backstage practicing Michelle LeGrand's uh, music because it was so difficult. So he he's pretty much the one that stands out to me right now. Of course, there've been many others too along the way, but uh, I think he's a, he's the top.
0: Professor Dunn, is there anything from your father's approach as a music educator that you use or have taken into the classroom with you? Well,
2: most definitely. I mean, we we live in a different school district than the school district that he te- he taught at, but in the summer he would teach a summer camps and I would go I would go and participate as if I were a student in the other school district during the summer. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. So I mean I, I watched him teach groups of people. And so I know I know that I have absorbed a lot of his um, rapport with people, probably his demeanor, his diplomacy as like he likes to say. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a lot of aspects of it that I, I know that I, I absorbed. Uh, and and use in my own teaching now i it's hard to pinpoint one specific thing that I do that I got from him but I, I think any of us who have who uh, are, have been teaching ha- are, are have absorbed style from everyone we have been mentored by and certainly he was my first mentor so of course I, I absorbed a lot of what he the way he taught and he had a good discipline but in a good way, Uh, with his group. So I got that too, I think.
3: Yeah. You know, in teaching, uh, 90% is love and 10% is pay. When it comes to love, charity begins at home. That means you practice and you learn along with your students. You don't put the horn in the case. You play with them and demonstrate.
2: Yeah. That's a good thing. He always did that. Oh Oh,
3: yeah. A, A lot of demonstration and you show the kids what you're asking them to do, you do, so that you uh, have a, a, a real teaching device there, demonstration. So if you want uh, you want them to play, then you better play.
0: Mm-hmm. What is your background as a, as a music educator, uh, Don Sr.? Now, Professor Don, he's uh, teaching college students who have already been scouted and recruited and you know he's not dealing with neophytes who are still trying to figure out where middle c is he's got a, a bit of an edge in that he's teaching college students so what is, what is your background are you did, did you teach at a college too or did you teach at private uh lessons at uh in your home or what i
3: taught some lessons in my home early on my in in my career uh i think early on i did teach in a music store for a little while and then when we moved uh, to another area, I used the basement of my, my home. And the entrance was through my garage. My garage led right into the basement where I taught some lessons in there. I kind of revamped the basement to a, a little studio. But, and then, too, uh, I went to some homes. When I first came to teaching, it was uh, being a woodwind instructor and it was in junior high and i taught some general music and from there i went to senior high and i spent 5 years there and from there i went to middle school and i spent a long time there and then finally to elementary i, I uh, finished my career in elementary and you know i got into teaching kind of by accident and i enjoyed every minute of what i did i, I loved the kids and i loved the, what it was all about and uh, I discovered that it was not only a job, but it was a calling, and I approached it from that standpoint. 36 years of that, which is, uh, I don't look like this for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I must tell you, I love the way you pronounce our name. A lot of people don't get that correct. They're very slovenly, and, and you get it absolutely perfect. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Do you still play gigs, Don Sr.? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I'll play as many gigs as I can get. Let's put it that way. <laughs> as he's,
0: long as I can do he's it, he's
2: staying busy. He's staying busy.
0: Well, I want to thank both of you. This is this has been a joy and a and a delight. I, I must tell you before
3: we finish that the person that is responsible for both of us was my late wife and Don's mother. She was the force behind. She loved to, to hear Don play. I think, better than I did. So (laughs) she was the force behind it all. So I want to make sure that she's mentioned. What was her name? Her name was Dolores, and they called her D. They called her Dookie.
0: How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Professor Don was shaking his head. She was not a musician herself. Nope, just a lover. Just a lover. Don Sr. and Jr., thank you both for being our guest on MTSU on the Web. Thank you, Jenna.
2: It was our pleasure. Our pleasure for sure. Glad we could finally do it. Me too. Thank you for your good questioning. Thank you, sir.
1: We'll be right back. The Tennessee Employment Relations Research Association, or TERRA, gives labor relations specialists and academics a chance to share their views and their data. TERRA wants academics and other interested in human resources and industrial relations to work together at meetings and conferences to strengthen the workplace. Many MTSU faculty belong to Terra, which has members in 20 states and seven nations. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle
0: moment. MTSU roommates and Blue Raider football teammates Seth Valley and Wilson Kelly are among the important student workers at the university farm this summer. Farm Labs Director Matthew Wade shares more about their agricultural skills and strong work ethic
2: man they've been a tremendous asset to us since they've since they've been a part of our joined and been a part of our team they um you know they came here and i didn't realize their backgrounds but they both have little farm background and kind of like seth he jumped on the tractor the first day and took off just like he'd been doing it all his life and apparently he had and um and Wilson had been on some smaller equipment, and he we put him on some things. He proved himself well. We put him on the bigger tractors. And uh, just like, a, I guess, some of these football players have to be in athletes, they weren't afraid of the challenge at all. And they have
0: jumped in and done a superb job for us. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information
2: program about Middle Tennessee State University is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.